Hey, we're glad to have you here with us today at One Chapel. We're a church in Kyle that helps people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. You can learn more about One Chapel and the things God is doing here at onechapel.com. Now, here's this week's message. So nice to see you all today. At least I can see some of you down here in the front. Such a joy to be with you here in Kyle. This is the first time I've had the opportunity to speak to you. And and I'm uh, looking forward to it very much. I I wish that it had been under different circumstances and that Pastor Brent could have been here as well. But uh, I'm happy to stand in if I can, in some description, fill his shoes today. He's awfully funny. And I'm pretty sure that I can't stand up to that kind of humor. (laughs) But we'll give it a whirl. So if you'd like to turn in your Bible to the book of James, that's where we're going to begin today. And my hope is that I'll be able to read these notes. How do you like that? Uh, the, the problem is that, and you, you don't know this, but there's, uh, there's shadows up here. And, uh, and I can't really see anything that's on this piece of paper. <laughs> so I may be preaching the whole service like this, but we'll give it a whirl. Well, many of you, perhaps, we've met personally and had an opportunity to get acquainted, and my hope is that uh, over time, I might be able to get to know uh, many more of you. I love to learn people's names. I learn to know the family, uh, love to know the family connections and find out what people do, uh, where they're working in the church, and all of those things are important to me. But uh, Pastor Ross keeps me chained up in Monterey Oaks uh, so much that I can't get out and visit the other campuses. And so I've only really been here in the couple of years. I've only been here a couple of times. And I I feel so cheated by that. That's right, because you guys are a lot of fun. You have a a lot more excitement. Yeah. You, and I, I think it goes to the, the uh, youth of the, of the congregation and, and of the leadership. Because as you know, Pastor Ross is the oldest of our family. And Brent is the youngest of our family. So some of you may know that uh, we have six children, Sharon and I, and 23 grandchildren. And we're very excited about the fact that Misty is carrying the first uh, great-grandchild. So we're looking forward to all of those things developing in time. I also want to let you know that Misty uh, has been very hard on me over the years. I've known Misty since she was a very small girl, and uh, she has been so mean to me (laughs) over the years. And I I doubt very much that you've actually seen that meanness come out in her yet. But one of these days, it's going to happen, and she's going to take you down. (laughs) Actually, she's a a great, great woman of God, 
and a great preacher in her own right. And uh, Misty has been a part of our teaching team at a number of encounters uh, over the last years when she was around 18, 19, 20 years of age. She uh, was teaching at women's encounters and ministering uh, to the youth in such powerful ways in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so I just want you to know here at Kyle, you're fortunate uh, to have Misty and Zach, uh, my grandchildren, with you. And I'm very proud of both of them. Amen. I wouldn't forget Taylor. He's on this instrument here, which I don't know what to call this instrument, but it's very nice, though. I like it a lot. I don't suppose there's anything uh, that you could do about this light. Uh, Zach, would you mind bringing my computer up here? I'm going to try that and see if the light is not a little better. All right, let's take a, a moment for prayer and ask the Lord to uh, open our hearts and bless us together. Father, we thank you for the love and mercy that you've given to us. We thank you for the power of your word that comes into our life and touches us in such a singular fashion. And we pray, Lord, that you would cause each one of us today to open our hearts to the word, to allow your Holy Spirit to come into us and to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, to touch us in such a way that is so deep and so powerful that it causes our life to be transformed by your grace. So we ask today in Jesus' name that you would touch every member of this congregation, causing your word to strengthen us and bless us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, uh, you kicked off the series uh, of these messages on the book of James, and I'm going to do my best to uh, fill in while Pastor Brent is away to share some of the same concepts that come from chapter 1 of the book of James. And uh, David uh, helped us by uh, moving us forward, giving us an overview, introduction to what was taking place. <clears throat> And most scholars, of course, believe that this book was written by the brother of Jesus uh, named James. Now, I don't know how you would feel about this, but growing up with Jesus in the family would have some complications. Because when you're a kid, you know, the mother and the dad, sometimes they make comparisons with the children. I, maybe you've never done that, but uh, can you just imagine Mary's walking through the house and she says, James, why can't you be more like Jesus? Yeah. So people might think that James could do what Jesus did, but actually his name was not James Christ. It was just James. And so he had limitations. You know, Jesus went to the wedding in Cana of Galilee, and he turned the water into wine. And at the, at the next banquet, uh, somebody could have said, uh, James, what are you going to do about this problem? And James, is, he doesn't have much of an answer. So uh, Mary is trying to encourage uh, James and help him move forward in his spiritual life. And he's speaking, she's speaking to him and says, uh, in the name of James, could you do something? It's just not the same, right? It's just not right. So Mary says, 
I don't want to go out with Jesus anymore because he's always showing off. We were at this pool the other day, and he made this guy get in and wash, and he got healed. I'm just not going out with him anymore. So James is trying to stay home from school when he's a kid, and, and Jesus walks by the bedroom, sees James lying in there, and he just says, be healed. Let's go to school. <laughs> I mean, how are you going to stand up to that? So it is really clear in the scriptures that Jesus' family did not understand him, uh, did not understand him and wanted to somehow restrain him from embarrassing them in certain ways. In John chapter 7 and verse 5, it says, For even his own brothers did not believe him. That's a terrible predicament to be in, that you're having this experience that Jesus was having in the midst of a nuclear family, and it was difficult for him to have an an understanding of how his family was treating him. In the book of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul gives us a list of resurrection appearances that took place after Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And in chapter 15 and verse 7, he says, Then he appeared to James. Now, this must have been a unique thing because in that portion of Scripture, he says to uh, to us and to the Corinthian church that this, this whole group of 500 people had seen Jesus after his resurrection and then he appeared in a special way to James. Now we don't know what that would have looked like. We don't know what they may have communicated about. But here Jesus in his resurrected body, meets with his brother James, and they have this conversation significant enough for it to be recorded in holy writ that they met together after the resurrection. And James, the brother of Jesus, then did become the apostle or the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, and he became servant to his older brother, eventually he became a martyr for the faith that was his, and he ended up writing this book to us about how to live the Christian life. So last week, we started, as I said, with this overview that David uh, gave you, and we looked at the importance of growing in spiritual maturity and following Jesus in our life. We do that by staying positive under pressure. We talked about how to be sensitive to people. We talked about how to master your mouth. This is most difficult for many of us. We speak before we think, and we say things that are unkind and hurtful to people. And when we say them, we wish that we hadn't said them. So in the book of James, we're helped with some ideas about the tongue, how the tongue can be controlled. And when you control the tongue, you are a perfect man or woman, whatever the case may be. So it is possible for us to have an influence by the Holy Spirit upon our life in such a powerful way that we are able to bring our body under control according to the book of James. 
by mastering our mouth. And how to become then a peacemaker, not be a troublemaker. I, I love peacemaking people. My wife Sharon is a peacemaker. She loves to uh, make sure that everything is happening uh, in the best way possible. And if there's conflict afoot, if someone's upset about something, she is not happy until she's done something to make peace. And I'm so happy to have a wife like that in my life. This book also teaches us how to be patient and prayerful, how to follow Jesus by bringing our life under control. Now, some of you may be listening to me today and thinking to yourself, my life is not very much under control. There are things in my life that I wish I could change, make different, live in a different way. Well, as you hear this message today, I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit will speak to you in such a powerful way to help your faith grow, to know that you can make a transformation in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that you'll notice as we go through and study the book of James in the coming weeks is that this book is one of the most practical books in the New Testament. Excuse me just a moment. I am stepping on something important, I'm sure. And it's really bothering me. <laughs> so one of the things you'll notice as we go through the book of James is that it has some practical things to say about how to live the Christian life, a how-to manual for living for Jesus. So today we're going to look at verses uh, 6, 1 through 6 of chapter 1, and discover what the Bible has to say about our problems. How many of you today could identify a problem in your life? Would you lift up your hand? Let me just see how many. Yep, pretty much everybody. <clears throat> pretty much everybody lifted up their hand, and we know what problems are about. We all have them. We have problems that are personally close to us, and we have problems that are in our world, that are outside of our control, but we understand something about problems. <clears throat> I noticed that, uh, that in, this, uh, in this clock down here is uh, a countdown. Is this, the, is this the true time you're telling me, Zachary? Well, I, I had my own countdown because I didn't know there was a countdown clock down here, and it went on pause, so I have no, long, I have no idea where I am. I'm going to cancel that thing and get it out of sight. <clears throat> so there are problems afoot. Let's read the scripture. James chapter uh, 1, 1 through 6. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, 
who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Now the first verse of this chapter and of this book tells us that James is writing to a group of people who are Jewish Christians in communities in the region. And you would think that James, a seasoned apostle, would be able to begin a little more gently. Because he just says, uh, hi, you guys, um, persecution is coming. He just moved right into it. He didn't ease into the subject. Now, when you and I write a letter, we don't do that. I'll say, uh, hi, Pastor Brent. Uh, this is your dad uh, writing to you, and I uh, just wondered how, how the family's doing. Is, are the children doing okay? Is Maria doing well? Uh, how are things at the house? you have any projects that you need? And then I'll start into what I really want to talk about. But James was not like that. James just says, hi. You've got to be persevering because problems are coming. Consider it joy, my brothers, whenever you face trial of any kind. How would you respond if you received a letter like that? Hi, Bob. Life is simply the worst, so be happy. James doesn't stop there. The key we find in verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Your attitude in trials is determined by your understanding of what God is doing in your own life. You do not have to crumble under the weight of it. You don't have to fake and pretending that everything's okay in the midst of it. He says that you should consider it What's the word? Joy. You should rejoice in your problems. And each one of us cannot, can do that. We have the ability, if we think about it, if we know the power of Christ within us, to rejoice in the midst of problems that are going on around our life. Now, James gives us four facts of life about our problems, and if we embrace those problems, it will help us grow through the problems that you're facing right now. The first thing that he wants us to know is that problems are inevitable. He doesn't say if you're going to encounter problems. He says whenever you encounter problems. Now, I remember when I was growing up as a young minister, I began to pastor when I was about 21 years of age. And it was my philosophy that people who had problems in their life were doing something wrong. That's just what I thought. All these people have problems and the problems and the problems are just keep going. And I thought in my naivete that they were causing those problems to come upon themselves. But that's not always the case. I thought that until I was about 30 years of age that people were just causing themselves trouble because everything was so peachy keen in my own life. Everything was copacetic. 
Everything was smooth. Life was going on as it should, in my opinion. But after I became 30 years of age, what happened? The bomb dropped. Problems came. Troubles and difficulties in various forms became a part of my life and I had to learn how to deal with those things because problems are inevitable in our life. In John chapter 16 and verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Isn't that good? Jesus said, take heart, I have overcome the world. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, Peter says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Problems are not an elective in life. They are a required course. The second thing that James wants us to know is that problems are unpredictable. Verse 2, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. This word face in the Greek language, the language in which the New Testament was written, is peripipto which literally means to fall into it unexpectedly, accidentally, didn't mean to do it. It's the same word which is used in the story of the Good Samaritan where the man fell among thieves as he was simply going from Jericho to Jerusalem or Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among thieves. He didn't mean to do it, but they stripped him of his clothing and they wounded him and they took his money. He didn't want that to happen. I could tell you a few stories that would be relatable to you in terms of People breaking into my house and taking things that were precious to me. I didn't want it to happen, but they happened anyway. The problems came. Other things which were even more disastrous than that, which took place in my life over time. I fell unexpectedly into those things. These trials are not planned. If if you're having problems, friends... And you're planning them? You got a lot bigger problems. (laughs) I think they they call it Munchausen by syndrome or something like that. Munchausen by proxy syndrome. And these are problems which are huge. We can rarely anticipate the problems we're going to experience in life. We don't plan them. Uh, we, don't, we don't plan to have a flat tire. We don't plan to get sick like Pastor Brent did uh, for this morning. We don't plan to fail in a class at school. We don't plan to be in an accident. We don't plan the death of a loved one, but they come anyway. These things hit us. They're unplanned. They're unpredictable. And when we le- least expect them, the problem presents itself. 
The third thing that James wants us to understand is that problems come in many shapes and sizes. Verse 2, again, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. This word in the Greek means multicolored. I've been doing a little work on a house in New Braunfels recently, and we've been trying to match the paint that's on the walls. How many trips to the paint store does it take? How many splotches that you put on the wall that you're going to have to cover up later does it take it's just a lot more than you think it will be so we we need to recognize that when problems come they don't all come packaged in a nice acknowledgeable package they come in ways that are unexpected they come in all shapes and sizes and they cause difficulty in our life you know what I'm talking about today as I'm speaking to you you're thinking about some of the things that have been problematic in your life that you didn't do anything to cause them you didn't expect them to come but here you are dealing with them today and James wants to help us. He wants us to know that these problems have a purpose. <laughs> we wish we knew the answer to that. What are the purposes for these problems in my life? In verse 3 he says, Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Listen to those words. The testing of your faith, identified as a problem, develops perseverance in your life. God uses problems in our lives for his own purposes within us. Problems purify my faith. The testing of your faith causes perseverance to come. This word testing is the word that's used for purifying gold and silver. I have in my storage unit a, a cauldron, a pot that's very old. And I wish I could have brought it today, but since I didn't know I was going to be here till 9.30 last night, I did not have time to go to the storage unit, okay? But I wanted to illustrate this for you because it's one of those pots that you can build a really hot fire under and when you put in lead or gold or silver, that it will melt it and it will cause the dross to come to the top. And maybe some of you have done that. Maybe some of you have had that personal and real life experience that the fire is burning hot and the gold and silver are purified and you can scrape off the dross and it purifies the whole as the scripture says in Job chapter 23 and verse 10 the scripture says he has tested me through the refining fires and I have come out as pure gold 
Another thing Job says, I think it's chapter 5 and verse 7, it says, man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. You know how when you hit a, a piece of iron on another piece of iron and the sparks happen, they spark out and fly upward. And the scripture says that man is born to trouble just as surely as the sparks are going to fly up from that contact. The first thing that trials do is to test our faith. It's to purify us. When things don't go as planned, your faith can develop in that process. Christians are kind of like tea bags. I don't know if I can really fit into this illustration, but maybe you can help me with it. Christians are like tea bags. You don't know what's in them until you put them in hot water. But when you put them in hot water, that, that steeping begins to take place and it releases whatever is in that little secret bag and all of a sudden some beautiful tea comes into your cup. The question for you today is, when you're in hot water, what's coming out of you? When the problems come, what's coming out of you? Problems give me patience. The testing of your faith develops per perseverance. Perseverance. James is talking about having staying power. This, this Greek word means to the ability to stay with it under pressure. We used to say when I was young, it gives you stick to itiveness. Come on, give, give that a try. Stick to itiveness. Come on, say it. Do you guys talk out loud here? <laughs> stick to itiveness. Come on, try it, everybody together. Stick to itiveness. That's what he's talking about here. When the hot water comes, when the problems come in your life, we have a stick to itiveness that allows us to stay with God under pressure. I don't have time to tell you today about my personal story, but I have been through some really hot water in my life. And as a result of what took place there and the ability that God gave me to stick to it through that great problem. Now I look and see these children, four of the six have followed me in full-time ministry. And now grandchildren such as these fine young men who are here are following along in leadership and developing a ministry to people. That stick to in the midst of the greatest trauma of life. If you do it right, if you cause it to develop your character, will allow you to bring forth the gold and the silver out of your life. Let's skip on down one or two. In the book of Romans chapter in verse 28 it says we know that all things work together for good to those who love him and to those who have been called according to his purpose we don't like it when problems come 
But the reason the problems come into our lives is so that Christ can be formed in us. So that Christ can change our life into his image. In, first, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, the scripture says, When we behold ourselves in the word of God as though we were looking into a mirror, we are changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. When you stay with the word, when you're in your problem, the glory of God is going to come forth out of your life. I can say that from personal experience. Yes, the pain is terrible. Yes, the difficulties are awful to go through. But God has a purpose, and that purpose is to bring Christ to maturity in our life, that we might live for him and know him. So we should rejoice in the difficulties that we experience. We need to ask him to, to help us handle the problems that come in life by his power. When you're in the midst of problems, one of the most important thing, things you can do is ask God for wisdom. Why do we need wisdom? So we'll know how to deal with the trouble. And then finally, we should relax when the problems come. Because they are not going to last forever. There's an old saying. It says, the ship will not sink and the storm will not last forever. I've lived a long time. This year I'll be 75 years of age. And I've been through quite a lot of storms in my life. And I can say that that little saying is so impactful to me. The ship will not sink and the storm will not last forever. But if you're faithful in the midst of your problems, the character of Christ will be formed in you. James chapter 1 verse 6. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Believe in him today in the midst of your problems. Relax because he's got it under control. Father, we receive today the touch of your hand upon our life. As I speak these words to this congregation today, they are not just words falling upon empty hearts. But there are people in this very room who are struggling. Difficulties have come upon their life and they have not asked for them. They did not desire them. They were not expecting them. But today they're in the midst of conflict or difficulty. And the, the Holy Spirit is speaking into their hearts today. Hold tight. Stand firm. Be consistent. Trust God. Relax in Him. And let our faith operate. So today we pray in Jesus' name that every person in this room would find the strength to rely upon the Holy Spirit in these days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for being here with us today. 
If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, we want to help. You can find everything you need online at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages on your favorite podcast player, and you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11.30. We'll see you next time.